you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those uh, Philippians this morning. We're going to be in a different book, uh, different series. That means a different book for us, Philippians. We've been in Acts for a long time, and so this is going to shift our gears pretty quick. Where we used to cover two chapters in a Sunday morning, I'll be lucky to get to through, through two verses this morning. So we're going to look at Joy Field. Are you full of joy this morning? Amen. Well, I hope so. Yeah, y'all really sound like it. All right. Joy-filled. Yeah. Joy-filled. Philippians. As we left off, Paul is in house arrest in Rome. That's how the book of Acts ends. And as we uh, talked about there from that imprisonment in Rome, he wrote letters to the church. And Philippians happens to be one of those letters. If you're having a hard time finding it, just remember General Electric Power Company right? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So if you find one of those, you can find all of them. Philippians there in the New Testament. Paul here is writing a letter, a thank you letter. How many of you love to write thank you letters? Yeah, it's almost a lost art, I would say, a thank you letter. He writes this thank you letter. It's a joy-filled letter, and he's writing to the church in Philippi because there's been a man who has brought him a gift from the church named Epaphroditus. He has ministered to him while he's there in this two-year stint of uh, house arrest. And he writes back to them with joy. Joy-filled. Joy-filled. Let's read Philippians, Philippians 1, 1 through 8. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all remembrances of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you all are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with affection in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your spirit indwells us and that, Father, you fill us with joy. I pray, Father, right now that despite our circumstances, despite our worries, despite the unsettlement of our hearts, that you would override each and every one of those with your presence, that we would find our peace in you, that we would know the grace that you've extended, extended to us, and that we would be full of joy. Father, your church is your bride. It's your body. We are adopted as sons and daughters. Fill us with the joy of that truth. In Christ's name, amen. Joy-filled. Let's start off with a joy-filled perspective. Paul writes, as I've mentioned, from imprisonment. What kind of perspective do you have to have to have joy in the midst of being enslaved, in a prison, where you're awaiting your trial before the emperor? Paul and Timothy. Timothy's likely there, maybe scribing this with him. Maybe, maybe they're ministering as well, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
In two sentences, did you hear how many times he said Jesus Christ? The perspective Paul has is one of Christ. He is in Christ, serving Christ, there because of Christ. Everything is revolved around a Christ-centered perspective. Now, in our Disciple Now weekend, I got to sit up on a panel with a bunch of elders and answer some really awkward questions that the kids have these days. And so one of those questions was, what if I have a friend who says, my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth? How do I answer that? Well, that's a difficult question for us because it's not a matter of truth that you're debating at that point. You're actually debating perspective. How do you see things? Well, from my standpoint, I see things this way, and from your standpoint, you see things this way. So where are we going to find this middle ground? Well, what is Paul's perspective? Paul's perspective is rooted and grounded not in human reasoning, in human emotion, in human desire. His perspective is grounded in Christ Jesus, in God's Word. You see, if we get our perspective, our biblical worldview from God's word, from his truth, from a Christ-centered perspective, then we are never moving and shifting from our perspective, but we can always be joy-filled no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in because we are in Christ. But if we gain our perspective from human reasoning, well, this is what I, this is what I think because I've kind of had these experiences, or human emotion, well, this is what I feel like. This, is, this just feels right to me. Or human desire, well, this is really what I want, and so I'm not going to let anybody tell me I can't have that. If those are the things that are dictating your perspective, then you're going to be chasing joy from the things of this world based on human reasoning, human desire, and human perspective that will always come up empty. Am I right? How many times do we know when we have a lack of joy that we go looking somewhere else and it never satisfies? It never fulfills. It's a difference in perspective. So let me ask you, what's your perspective this morning? How do you see yourself? How do you see others? How do you see the world that you're in? A joy-filled perspective, I want you to see number one, is seeing yourself as a slave. A slave. What an interesting term to find joy in. Paul and Timothy Servants is what the ESV says, but it's really the word bondservant that we get there, which is the word in Greek, doulios, slave. Paul, Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Let me introduce myself to you. I'm a slave of Christ Jesus, my Lord. You want to find joy? See yourself as a slave of Christ Jesus, your Lord. A slave what an interesting word, because a servant, they would actually have possessions, and they would actually be able to, you know, do things on their own. They might be hired for a certain project, and once that project was over, they were free to go, but not a slave. No, a slave was bought. A slave owned nothing. A slave did not belong to themselves. They didn't live their life for themselves. No, they lived their life for their owner. But Stephen Lawson says the point here is that bondservant is precisely how Paul saw himself. And so this is how he presented himself to the Philippians as a slave leader, a slave of Christ who had been bought by his master to be his possession. Church, when you see yourself, do you see yourself as one who has been bought at a very high price? 
by the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, your entire identity is wrapped up in, I'm a slave. I am not my own. I do not live for myself. This is not my kingdom that I live for. I live for his kingdom. I serve him and what he has for me. That's how you find joy. Christ-centered perspective. John MacArthur in his book, Slave, he writes this. This is how the early church saw themselves. Self-identity had been radically redefined by the gospel. Whether slave or free in this life, they had all been set free from sin. Yet having been bought with a price, they had all become slaves of Christ. That is what it meant to be a Christian. The early Christians didn't call themselves Christians. Christian was a term that was used, a derogatory term used by first in Antioch to call them Christians. They called themselves slaves. How do you identify yourself? Augustine, who lived from 354 to 430, asked this rhetorical question of his congregation. I'll ask it of you. Does your Lord not deserve to have you as a trustworthy slave? Polycarp, who lived as a second century Christian, he lived from 69 to 155, who was a bishop in Turkey, who was later martyred, burned at the stake, and when the flames did not engulf his body, was then stabbed, wrote a letter to the Philippians. This is what he wrote. For you know that you have been saved by a gracious gift, not from works, but by the will of God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, bind up your loose robes and serve as God's slaves in reverential fear and truth, abandoning futile reasoning and the error that, dece that deceives many. Did you hear that? Abandon the error of human reasoning, human emotion, and human desire that deceives many, but offer yourself as a slave to Christ in reverential fear. And believing in the one who raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead and gave him glory and a throne at his right hand. Everything in heaven and on earth is subject to him. Everything that breathes will serve him. He is coming to judge of the living and of the dead. And God will hold those who disobey him accountable for his blood. Do you see yourself as a slave? You know why I ask you that? because you are, whether you recognize it or not. The question is, who's your master? Who do you answer to? As Paul writes Romans 6, 15 through 19, he says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as an obedient slave, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. A joy-filled perspective is seeing that you have been bought at a high price. 
You've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and that you are a slave, whether you're a slave to obedience that leads to righteousness, that righteousness that leads to sanctification, or you are a slave to sin. And as one person said it, those who are in Christ are no longer slaves to sin, but they choose to sin. Those shackles have been broken. Are you a slave? Would you describe yourself as a slave of obedience or a slave to sin? Paul's joy-filled perspective was seeing himself as a saint, seeing the church as a saint. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who were at Philippi, to all the saints, you know I stand up here and I see a lot of saints in here, right? Did you know that I see a lot of saints in here? The Catholic, our Catholic friends would have a hard time with me saying that. I see a lot of saints in here. Do you see yourself as a saint? The word saint is where we get the word holy, hagios, also translated sanctified, sanctification. All these words come from that one Greek word, and he's writing to those who are sanctified, to those who are holy, to those who are saints. Let me ask you, do you see yourself as a slave to Christ, and do you see yourself in Christ as a saint? What a different perspective that brings joy. Oh, I've been bought at a high price, and not only that, but he is working in me, producing something in me that I am incapable of producing myself because I am in Christ. All things are new. All things are changed. I have been radically transformed from the inside out. That's where we get the word metamorphosis from. Wow, look at this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you see yourself as a saint? If you see yourself as a saint, you can be filled with joy. As Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it, Paul has no gospel apart from Jesus Christ. The gospel is not some vague general offer, nor is it some mere exhortation to people to live a good life. How we felt at that. Rather, it tells of the things that have happened in Christ. Because without Christ, there is no salvation. And if, in, if Christ is not essential to your position, then according to Paul, you're not a Christian. You may very, be very good. You may even be religious. But you cannot be a Christian. If Christ is not absolutely the core and center it is not Christianity, whatever else it may be. Joy-filled perspective is seeing yourself in a joy-filled position of being in Christ. You are covered. You are sanctified. You are being made holy. His Spirit now indwells you. He has written His Word on your heart. This is a change of perspective. You are no longer slaves to sin, no longer in this world, but you are filled with Christ. In Christ, you are a saint. Amen? Yes. I think some of y'all participated in D-Now this weekend. In Christ. So positionally, we can be Christ-filled, filled with joy. John 15. Jesus says this, John 15, 1 through 6, and then 8 through 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean 
because of the word that I have spoken to you, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. Verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Did you catch that part? The positional place of abiding in Christ, the sainthood of believers that produces a fruit that then proves to the world that you are his disciple because you are now a slave to obedience that produces a righteousness that then leads to sanctification. This is where joy is found because you can do nothing apart from Christ. Nothing. But when you see that you are abiding in Christ and he is producing in you a fruit, you see yourself as, this, this is so full of joy. Amen? Do you see yourself as a slave? Do you see yourself as a saint? Let me ask you this. Are you joy-filled? Is Christ truly enough? For Paul, he was. For Paul, he writes from imprisonment. He writes as a slave. He writes as a saint to live as Christ, to die as gain. Christ is enough, and I am so filled with joy because I am his. Behind every sin is a lack of joy in Christ. I want you to understand that. Behind every sin, but behind every choice of sin is us saying that Christ is not enough. I need this to bring joy in my life. I need this to fulfill this. I need this to cope. I need this. Behind every act of sin is a lack of joy in Christ, but also behind our sanctification is a joy-filled abiding in Christ. As we see ourselves grow more and more into the image of Christ, it is a joy-filled experience of what he is doing because we are abiding. It's positional. Here's the third one. A joy-filled perspective is seeing yourself as a servant with the overseers and deacons. We have made it through one verse. Isn't that amazing? Servants. He's likely referencing the fact that church leadership is important. It's of extreme value for the local body, and it's a vital role in leadership. So he addresses the leaders of the church in Philippi to the overseers, elders, and deacons. But this word deacon is the word diakonos, and it pops up all over Scripture. In fact, Jesus even refers to himself in this term of diakonos, the servant. It points to the word servant as it relates to the corporate body of believers. We are called, every single one of us, to be servants. We are called to be slaves of Christ. 
We're called to be saints in Christ. And we're called to be servants of his body, of his church. Matthew 20, 26 through 28. Whoever would be great among you must be a servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Church, do you want to be joy-filled? Be a servant. You want to be joy-filled? Be a saint. You know, be joy-filled? Be a slave of obedience. That's where joy is found. Joy is found in that perspective. In Christ. Now, there's a silly little acronym I'll show you. Joy, J-O-Y, Jesus first, other second, yourself last. That's the perspective, right? Joy. Jesus first. Christ-centered. That was Paul's perspective. Christ-centered. He says it over and over, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Others second to the church in Philippi, the saints to others, to others serving alongside you. Yourself last. Joy is found in this. Now, you may not know this about me, but I have a learning disability. And I've told several of you this. I I was diagnosed with dyslexia as, as a small child, meaning that I saw things backwards, and I actually read words backwards. So if I saw the word was, I would say saw. And so I was constantly going to summer school. That was fun. I was constantly getting dragged out of class to go to remedial classes. That was cool. Um, I had a hard time learning to correct the way I saw things. Now, the problem is, is that oftentimes Christians are looking for joy, but they're dyslexic. And you know what you get when you have joy backwards? Yoj. Yoj. It just doesn't work, does it? Man, I got some yoj. Yoj deep down in my heart. Where's your yoj? Deep down in my heart. Doesn't work. But how often do we have yoj? How often... Do we put ourselves first? And, and it sounds like this. You know what? I just need to do what's right for me. You know what? I've been, I've been doing all this stuff for everybody else. Now I need to focus on me. Have you heard this? You might have even heard this from believers. You know what? It's me time. Yourself. Others, second, still in the same spot, but you know what? When you don't have a Christ-centered perspective and you have a me-centered perspective, you use others. And you use them for your own affirmation. Well, I wonder what they think about me. I wonder if I have their acceptance. I wonder if I have their approval. Some of us call this high school, but it carries on into adult life, right? Yourself using others for your own identity. And then Jesus last? Really? When we put Jesus on the back burner, we say, well, I mean, I'm really working on myself right now. I really need to do what's right for me, and I'm really going to use these other people to benefit me. I need them to serve me, to serve my identity, and I'm just going to have a little bit of time for Jesus. I mean, if I can get him in, like, I'm going to squeeze him into the schedule because my schedule is really busy because I've got a lot of stuff going on in my life right now, and I need to do all these things. Jesus gets put on the back burner, and you wonder why there's no joy because you got a lot of yoj.
we will find joy. A joy-filled existence in Christ when we, number one, see ourselves as slaves to Christ. We were bought at a high price. Have you forgotten that you were hopeless, you were helpless, you were lost in sin, and as we saw in the video, God adopted you and brought you into the family when you did nothing to deserve it. He wrapped his arms around you, brought you into the family, you're covered, you're clean. And now, you're a saint. There's nothing good in you except for Jesus Christ and him alone, and his righteousness now is being poured out into your life, and so you get to see this this positional change of abiding in him and him producing in you a fruit that you're incapable of doing yourself. This is joy that leads to you saying, you know what, I'm going to serve. And I'm going to serve not my kingdom, but I'm going to serve his kingdom for his kingdom's advancement because my life is quick and his kingdom is eternal. And I have a joy-filled perspective and purpose on this earth. Church, let's live it. Do you have joy today? If, if you don't, maybe it's time to change your perspective. I got two more points. We're not going to get there, okay? We're not going to get there today. Let's work on our perspective first. Jesus first. Others second. See others through a Christ-centered lens. They are created in his image. Yourself last. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. You're a good and gracious king. And our life is internally indebted to you and your work on the cross. We are hopeless and we are helpless without you. Father, if there's someone here today who does not know you, who has not surrendered their life to you in obedience because of your sacrifice, today I pray that you take them from death to life, that you bring them out of sin into sonship, Father, you would adopt them, that you would work in their heart, that salvation would come to their home today. Father, those of us who have lost our perspective that have began to shift towards human desire and human reasoning, bring us back to you, that we would be Christ-centered, that we would put you first, that we would see others, that we would serve them, that we would be saints, that we would be used by you to further your kingdom in Christ's name. Amen. Will you stand? Will you respond?